Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. All right. You can sit down, please, please. All right. Well, guys, we've got, a, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them, uh, open them to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be right there. But, but as you are turning uh, to the book of Exodus or as you're finding that in, uh, in your digital format, I, I do want to give you some numbers. And I want to tell you how uh, proud I am of this church for uh, operating in massive kingdom generosity last week at our, at our birthday celebration. We had a dessert auction, and I, I know there's a lot of people that were just like, man, dessert auctions are so 1990s, you know? Um, they're so whatever, but we actually raised over $17,000 at our dessert auction. So. What we're gonna do with that, and the numbers are still coming in, we're really hoping that's gonna get a little closer to, to 20 grand. We'd love to take a $10,000 check, walk it to the Spring Grove School District, and drop it on the administration there, and just, uh, just bless them and pray over them, and, uh, and partner with them. Do you know, the church needs to be a part of the community, not just yelling and screaming at the community. Anybody? Like, we actually need to go, we just need to go bless them. And I, I'm, I don't know the history of the Spring Grove School District, but I'm guessing that no church has ever just dropped 10 grand on them before. And so I, I just, I just am believing that we're gonna form a better relationship with our school board and with our community, and we're gonna bless them, and that kids that wouldn't be able to eat are gonna be able to eat, and the kids that wouldn't have Christmas presents are gonna have them, and that we get to be a part of that. Anybody? See, this is, this is what the church is supposed to be doing. It's what, and the, what the world is used to is us gathering here and getting angry at the community. All right, and then showing up on, you know, saying school boards this and school boards that. Have you prayed for these people? Have you raised money for these people? Like, let's close our mouths and, and put our shoes on and start walking to people that need Jesus and love. And then I got on the phone with uh, uh, Mark Stockland from the Haiti Bible Mission last week driving home because I knew, I think the, the, the number was somewhere around 15,000 when I left here last week and it, it, it grew. Uh, and I told uh, Mark Stockland about how much money and Mark Stockland was uh, on the verge of tears and he's just so blessed. Do you know how, how much money uh, almost 10,000 American dollars is in Haiti? It's massive, guys. And you and I get to be a part of this. And so we just want to, uh, we just, I'm just honored that I get to be at a church with you guys who come out and you spend like $600 on muffins, you know? I'm just like, this is the church I've always wanted to be a part of. I remember there was a, a young boy sitting here with $10. I was sitting back there and I was watching this young boy sitting here with $10 and he was trying to get a dessert, but he was, he was bidding with the high rollers, and I saw Julie Ilias saw this guy and she bought something for like $500 and she walked it over to him. That is the kind of church I wanna be a part of. Come on. So, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's pray a blessing over our community and over Haiti right now. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Just, we didn't lose this much money. We got the privilege of giving this much. And God, I just pray that this would mark us with a heart of compassion like yours. Whether it's Haiti or whether it's the school district or whether it's our neighborhood or no matter what it is, God, we want to be people who have hearts that feel like yours and beat like yours and actually do what you did. And you went to people and you were generous 
toward them, God. So I just pray this financial gift would be huge, but I pray that it would just be the tip of the iceberg and that you would call us, God, to generosity in other ways, including finances, that we would be generous in our prayers, that we would be believing for miracles in our neighborhoods and that we would actually be walking in them and believing you for them and that we'd see many people come to faith in Jesus, the greatest miracle, and that the people that seem like they're the furthest off from your kingdom would actually be uh, trophies and prizes of the, of the kingdom, that they would be, their hearts would be responding to the gospel of Jesus in these days, and that we just want to uh, be a part of this, God. So thank you for here, but thank you for how you're going to use us as we leave here today, God. We're, we're, we're gathering, then we're scattering, and we want to scatter with, scatter with your heart, God. So I pray for the Spring Grove School District, that they would be blessed beyond reason, that this would open up a door for us to be able to share Jesus with them. Because you, Jesus, are the only reason why we would do this and not keep this. Give it and not keep it, God. You are the only reason. So we bless you. Use this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, did you turn to Exodus 12 yet? All right. Here's what I, I want to do today, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do this in the amount of time um, that we've got. But it's really important to me uh, today that we get back to one of the basics of a Jesus church, and that is the blood of Jesus. We don't talk much about the blood of Jesus, do we? We sing about the blood of Jesus, and if you're new to, to Jesus, like sometimes I wonder, especially at a church like ours, where we love to sing about like spirit break out, fire fall down, you know, we're dancing in the river, we're, you know, set my heart on fire, you know, bathe me in your blood, you know, and we sing all of these things, and if you, if you don't have a good theology on this stuff, you, you just think that, man, these people are freaks, I have no clue what this is, I don't want to be set on fire, I don't want my heart to be a, a torch, what, you know, so we say a lot of things that I don't think we actually have a good theology for, and the blood of Jesus is one of them. But the blood of Jesus is actually one of, one of the basics of Christianity that we have to know about. Now today it is very popular to talk about the cross and say the cross equals love. And now let me tell you this, it does. Anybody amen that? Are we, are we thankful that when we look at the cross, we look at the greatest single demonstration of the Father's love for humanity? For the, there is nothing that rivals it in comparison. It's the cross is the greatest demonstration of love. But do you know that the cross is so big that it's not just the love of God? There are other things that happen because of the shedding of Jesus' blood. And I want to talk about that, those today. And I actually want to start in the Old Testament because the Old Testament has been pointing to this from the beginning. Now, let's talk, though. I, I, I do want to share this, though. I, I am a dad, and I've got three kids that I'm very proud of. And yesterday, I got to go to my daughter's uh, last volleyball games. We had a volleyball. Lena played her game, the eight, eight-year-old girls, and Grace played her games, the 12-year-old girls. And it was the last one. And I, I remember watching them play. And first of all, they're the best ones on the team. You know, they're spiking. They're, they're doing everything. They're college scouts there for both of them. Scholarships are pouring in. People were just giving them money, just saying, just because. It was crazy, all right? This is my dream world, but it was. it was. But I'm watching my girls, and I'm as proud of them as I could be. But one of the things that I was watching is this is the last game of the season. They've been playing months together, months of practicing, months of bumping, setting, serving, all of these things. 
And I noticed that the last game of the season, a lot of the girls, not mine, all right, just the others, a lot of the girls were still not even clear on how to score, all right? So the ball would be served into the net and plop down on the side, and a girl from the team, from the serving team, would pick the ball up and not know what to do with it, okay? All right, and what makes it worse then is when the coaches don't know either, all right? <laughs> it's just like, what? And there's just this, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the stands and I'm just like, the, the, the amount of confusion over the basics is bothering me, <laughs> right? So, the, and that is one thing, when it's volleyball, there's not really any eternal kingdom impact of that. Like eventually you figure it out and even if you side out to the wrong side, who cares? But if we get the basics wrong when it comes to the blood of Jesus, Jesus, we're missing everything. Do you know that? Do you know that there's so many problems in the church? So many people don't know who they are. Spiritually, sexually, physically, people don't even don't know their identity in the church. It's because we're not squared away on the blood of Jesus. Did you know that? Do you know that? That there's so much insecurity in the church. People walking around like they're not a son or a daughter, like they're an outsider in this world. People walking around like their father doesn't own it all. Like they're walking around like they're not a princess or a prince in the kingdom. Like there's so much insecurity and self-doubt and all of these things. It's, 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 we don't know what the blood of Jesus actually did. Of course we feel love, but we don't feel empowered to do anything else. There's so, there's so much joylessness in the church, in the church, guys. Like God wants to turn our, our tears into laughter. He wants to turn our shame into gladness, our, our despair and our depression into dancing and shouts of joy, all right? And all of this is accessible to us through the blood of Jesus, but there's actually joylessness in the church. Even if you're having a bad day, listen, the blood of Christ says that you can still have joy, all right, so this is, this is extremely important. We have all of these things and about infinity more because of the blood. And so today, the blood of Jesus, I wanna talk about this with knowing that it is the greatest single demonstration of the love of God that is given. I also wanna talk about what else it does. And to do that, I, I do wanna go to the, the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 12. Let me give you a little bit of context for that. Are you guys there already? I, I gave you ample time, all right? So, okay. Um, so, so here's what is happening in, in context is these are the people of God. These are the, the people of Israel. These are the Jewish people, and they've been in bondage for hundreds of years, all right? They have, they, they're, the only thing that they know by this generation is just how to be a slave, how to serve Egypt. That's all that they know. And so what God does is he sends Moses a, a, a bumbling stuttering, <laughs> I just demonstrated that. I do that all the time. I listen back to myself and I'm like, oh, turn it off. Uh, but uh, you know, God loves to use people <laughs> that the world wouldn't just to like shame the proud, amen? But he sends an old stuttering guy to with this one sermon to Pharaoh and all the leaders of Egypt and is just this, let my people go. But what happens to Pharaoh, who actually thinks he is God, he's not gonna be bossed around by some other foreign God that Moses is talking about. He thinks that he is God, and so his heart is hardened, and what God does to break it down is he pours out plagues on Egypt. 
Now, this is where we pick it up because the final plague is this, is Exodus chapter 11, starting with verse five, and it says this, here's the promise, here's the last plague, that every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. That's the last plague. You wanna have a hard heart? Okay, you forced my hand. And here's what is delivered. And now, so that is the scene that we're finding ourselves at. And so what God does, though, is he speaks to Moses and Aaron, his brother-in-law, the leaders of Israel in this day. And here's what he tells them. He says, he says I'm bringing this judgment on Egypt, but I'm not going to bring this judgment on my people. There is a way out from this judgment. Hello, right? And here's what it is. It's starting with Exodus chapter 12, verse 5. And let's read that for a moment. It says this. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goat. So basically what God is saying, he's, I want you to take the best lamb that you have, the best year old lamb. I don't want it to be sick. I don't want it to only have three legs. I don't want it to even have spots on it. I want you to take a lamb without blemish. And then here's what he says. Let's skip to verse, uh, what is it? Verse 13 here. And, and here's what the scripture says. It says, the, the, after you slaughter the lamb, the blood shall, hey, I'm sorry, guys, it's gonna get better. Hold on a second, all right? The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and where I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here's basically what God is saying, and we're gonna continue to read on, but he's saying, I want you to take a lamb, I want you to kill the lamb. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, okay? So this is, this is what we're gonna get to that. And I want you to take the lamb's blood, and I I wanted you to put it on the doorframe of your house. And when I see the blood, I'm gonna pass over you. This is, this is what is called Passover, okay? This is the time when Egypt was in, in bondage in a, in a foreign land. They were in slavery, and God is judging the land, but he doesn't wanna judge his people, and so he's giving them the Passover. And here's how, here's how you do not have to participate in the punishment of the world is the blood of the lamb. Now, let's look here at, starting with, with verse 21, I want you to see this of chapter 12. Then Moses called the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Okay, there's a Passover lamb. Look at verse uh, 22. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of your door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Look at verse 24. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you should keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Like, so, so God's already thinking, before this has even happened, he's thinking about how do you hand this off to the next generation, right? Look at verse 27. You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of, of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared the houses and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Now look at verse 28. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now there's a lot that's happening in this passage and whether you think it's weird or not, that doesn't matter to me. I believe that everything in the Bible happened and it happened for a reason and I trust the heart of my dad and I trust that there's good things in this for us. Can we agree on that? 
all right? Um, so I want to talk about a few things that are going on in this passage in the original Passover as God is taking his kids out of bondage, out of slavery, and into a promise. I want to tell you this. What it took was the blood of a lamb, but, but Israel is saved by the blood of the lamb according to a promise. I want you to hear that. that what, what allows Israel to walk in salvation? God doesn't tell them to take up arms. He doesn't tell them to sharpen their swords. He doesn't give them a new invention like the catapult or something. He doesn't tell them, uh, you know, to, um, you know, even repent. <laughs> He's not, it, it, listen, listen, all of that stuff, all of that stuff, it doesn't matter without the blood. Israel's saved by the blood of the lamb, here this is the Passover lamb, according to a promise. So it's not just some formality, it's not just some religious ritual, it's, it's something that God is calling Israel to operate in by faith, attached to a promise. Look at verse 23. When he, that's God, sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over, here's the promise, pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter the house to strike you. Do you see this? What is, what is the, the, the means? Well, it's the blood, all right? What is the promise attached to the blood? Well, the Lord's gonna pass over your house when he sees the blood. So in other words, the blood identified those who were God's people. The blood identified those who were under the covenant promise and blessings of Israel. The blood is identifying that. And the promise is you will be saved when the Lord sees the blood. So the, the blood of the lamb on the doors is actually separating Israel from Egypt. You hear this? I want you to see that. It is so significant biblically. It is so important. Many times they say, oh, we don't need to read the Old Testament anymore, the Old Covenant. That's all. Well, no, it is, it is speaking of the new on every page. It is just broadening and deepening the reality of this. And I think if you've been around the church long enough, you should know where this is going. But if you don't, you're in for a great surprise. Let's keep reading, all right? I want us to see this, that Israel is saved by the blood of the lamb according to a promise. But I also want us to see this, that the blood on the door required faith. So God is not saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slaughter a lamb. I'm gonna send angels to put blood on your doors. You guys just stay inside and do nothing. All right? That is actually not what faith is. Um, the, uh, faith is. Faith is not this. Faith is not Moses and Aaron saying, hey guys, slaughter a lamb and, and you know, put the blood on the door and then mentally agreeing with what Moses and Aaron are saying. They can sit back and say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. If God told you to do that, I think we should. But faith is not agreeing with Moses who's saying. Faith is agreeing and then doing what Moses said. Hello? That is what faith is. Faith is actually an action word. It's not just a word of agreement. There has to be agreement in it, but it also has to get our feet moving, okay? And so the blood on the door required faith. Look at verse 28. Then the people of Israel went and did so. And the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, 
So they did. So what happens is Moses and Aaron say, here's how you're going to be saved. And I want you to, you're gonna to have to believe us and you're gonna to have to trust us. I know it's gonna feel uh, weird and, and I, I know it's gonna maybe traumatize your kids as these, as these lambs are being slain, as you're taking hyssop, which is a, a branch that you use like a brush. And they're actually, I mean, it sounds morbid. This is what I'm saying. It's just, it's weird, but it, don't let it, I, I trust God. So you're gonna dip this hyssop in and we're just gonna spread this on your doorpost and across the banner of your house and this is how you're going to be saved. And so the people are like, I don't understand. Can you give me 10 points to help me understand? It's not, it's not that. That's how we do American Christianity where we have to understand everything to do it. That's not how it is. All right. It's not 10 points here. It's, did God say it? Yes. Then I have to do it or not. You see, so the blood on the door required faith. And Moses was not, listen, Moses was not saying, Hey, everybody stay inside. I'm going to do this for you. Okay, many times we are looking to a pastor or a leader or someone we're putting too much stuff. Can you do this for me? Isn't this why we pay you to do this? No, no, no. No, we, we, what, what the, the people that are paid are, are, are just voices. They're, they're, just, they're just cheerleaders for you to actually walk in your identity, for you to actually get out of your seat and actually go share the gospel message. That's, that's all it is to equip you and to encourage you and to tell you. And here, here Moses and Aaron are saying, this is what you have to do, so we charge you, go do it. And the faith was when the people said, we believe, and then they evidenced their belief by their actions, and they did it. The people had to respond to Moses' message, and that is faith, right? I, so many of you, you guys don't know that you actually practiced faith this morning when you came in and you sat in these chairs. You know that I saw Chris Vistardis put most of these together, all right? And he's a crazy-looking character, all right? And so what you're doing, though, is you're actually saying, I trust the, craftsman's, uh, the crafts, craftsmanship, all right, of a big bearded hunting man, all right, that this is gonna hold me, all right? And we operate in faith all the time that when we turn the car key, the car's gonna come on, or when we flip the faucet, the water's gonna come out. We, we know what it is to operate in faith in life, and we need a revival of what it is to operate in faith in the church, all right? That when God says something, I can do it and I can trust him and I can believe him whether I understand it perfectly or not. It's, it's, you, we've got to hear this. The, the, it doesn't all come down to our ability to understand. It all comes down to our heart to respond. Okay? So the blood was not automatically placed there because they were a part of the Jewish community. The blood was placed there because they operated in the call and in the, in the covenant call to come operate in the blood. I think there's some people here today that when you ask you like, how do you know that you've been reconciled to God, that you're in relationship with Jesus? How do you know that Jesus is your treasure, that heaven is your home, that, you, that you, your sins are paid for, that you are not getting what you deserve, but you're under the grace and the mercy of God? How do you know that for sure? I think that many of us will say, well, my spouse reads her Bible. My, I, was, I was raised in the church. Well, that's not what it looks like. The, the, the invitation of Jesus is to respond in faith to him, all right? And so many of us today, I think this morning, I, I feel this, and not out of shame, but out of celebration. It's, it's hard to dance for a God that you, you only know somebody who knows, 
all right? I think this morning God wants to actually save people that don't even know they're lost, all right? So a little side note, but I, I'm, I'm planting that as a seed because I, I really feel that this morning, and there's, there's no shame in that. The best thing, don't let shame keep you from the kingdom, all right? The shame is not a part of the kingdom. Shame is the enemy trying to hold you back and keep you in slavery and keep you in bondage. Like, you'll like it here better. Don't let anybody know that you don't know. Don't let anybody know that you've just blended in all of your life. You, you like it here in Egypt better. The food, you, you at least know what's coming, but here God is calling you out of bondage and into a better promise, and it's gonna be weird, but it's gonna be holy, all right? So don't let anybody fool you into thinking that Christianity is not weird. It's the strangest thing. It's the strangest thing that the Holy Spirit wants to burn like a fire in your heart and, and that, that God actually wants to wash you in, in the blood of the lamb. This is, this is weird stuff. Happens to be awesome, though. So listen, I want to tell you this, though, that the Passover, that what, what we just read, Exodus 12, that is called the Passover, all right? Um, the Passover is pointing toward the cross of Jesus Christ, where sin will not only be passed over for a time, but paid for forever. You hear this? This is, this is, this is God's call to the people of Israel, but there's a greater purpose here. The, the people of Israel are not having their sins paid for by the one-year-old male goats or lambs that they're sacrificing. This is a passing over of sin, but what it's doing is it's actually pointing to the future, to the one who will ultimately pay for the sins that lambs and goats cannot. Okay? So the Passover is pointing, it's pointing. The Passover, like we can, there's all kinds of religions sacrifice all kinds of animals and, and other things all the time. Listen, none of that actually pays. Biblically speaking, uh, before the cross, it only pointed, a sacrifice only pointed. The blood only points, it's pointing. It's pointing to the cross. It's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to the only one who could actually pay. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7b says, for Christ, that's Jesus. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's like, I'm Nathan Herndon, all right? It's Jesus Christ. That's not his first and last name. It's, it, Christ is who he is, the Messiah. That's the word, that's the word. So we're saying Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus, the one who takes away the sins of the world, is the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who is coming to establish his kingdom, but you can't walk in the kingdom until sin is paid for and reconciliation with the Father has happened. So Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ, means he is the one that every goat and lamb, every generation was pointing to since the beginning of the world. So all the centuries of sacrificing lambs and goats, they're not paying for anything. People's sins were not paid for. They're only pointing towards Jesus, the final sacrifice that pays for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. The former lambs, the former sacrifices, I know you haven't heard me say this yet, but I'm finally good. They're not paying, they're pointing. Did you hear that? Okay, I, I thought for a second, since I just said it once, I thought that maybe you didn't hear it correctly, all right? 
listen to this. Let's get into, into New Covenant here. Let's get to 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19. Listen to this. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. What are some of those feudal ways? Well, um, the feudal, let me tell you this. Here's what sin is. If you're worried that you just don't know what sin is, that's another word that we use a lot. Many times we use this terminology that sin is actually missing the mark. I hate that terminology. (laughs) I know that's what we hear a lot. But missing the mark makes me think of like an archery contest. Okay, and we're up here and we're trying to shoot, but oh man, I didn't hit the bullseye. I kind of hit around the fringe. I scored 10 points instead of 100. Well, I'll try again harder. And so it's performance oriented is missing the mark. But sin is not performance oriented. God, God does not need to, he didn't create you to be entertained by you. He is, he is perfectly okay in himself. You hear this? And he needs nothing from you. And so this, this sin being missing the mark, like I'm underperforming for God, is just not good theology in my opinion. All right? I, I'll, get into, I'll get into a theological debate. I'll write it. I'll talk it. I'll get in front of people. I'll go rounds on I'll go down for that one. That sin is not underperforming. Sin is actually this. It's underpreferring. It is a heart condition where we actually want something else more than God where we actually want. And this is how Adam and Eve walked in this. They, they believed the lie of the enemy that God was actually holding out on them and not good. And so they doubted the goodness of God's heart and they thought that they just knew better and so they partook. And this is what, this is when it comes down to it. This is what sin is. It's not you made a mistake and you didn't perform well because you tripped. It's that in your heart, you want yourself or something other than God more. This is what sin is. Sin is not underperforming, it's underpreferring. So but what, what the Bible says, what, what Peter says in 1 Peter is, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Those are the feudal ways, a whole life, trying to find happiness and gladness and satisfaction and something other than God. The fit's feudal. It's like fighting the wind. You can live a whole life and say, I want to be a billionaire and you can become a billionaire. And then the day that you do, you still find the reality that I'm still not satisfied. I was not made to have billions. I was made to know and be known by God. So you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Here's how though. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. So God didn't buy you with worldly stuff, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. This, what is happening in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, is we've got year old spotless lambs pointing to this one. We're actually redeemed by the one by whom and for whom we were made. And we were were ransomed. We were reconciled. We were bought back with the precious blood of Christ. It's not by trying. It's not by effort. It's not by memorization. I don't care if you got catechized or not. If you are not, if you've not been reconciled by the blood of Jesus and have received him by faith in what he's done, if you're trusting yourself in any way and not Jesus, listen, it doesn't matter. The, it's the precious blood of Christ. And I love this. It's precious because if our only hope is the payment that the blood of Christ makes for us, could there be anything more valuable? 
Could there be anything more valuable? If you were offered all the money in the world compared to the precious blood of Christ that actually buys me back and forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases and changes me into the man or woman that God actually made me to be? Is there anything more precious? I would say not. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That's because all of the old covenant and all of the goats and all of the lambs were pointing to this one man, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Romans chapter 3, 23 to 25, listen to this. Oh man. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption. Man, don't you love passages? Like there's all kinds of theological language here and usually we just read through it and say, heard it in church, heard it in church, heard it in church, heard it in church. The question is, do you understand what it means? Well, no, but I heard it. Okay, well, let's just take a second, Right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had, listen to this, passed over former sins. Now there's a whole lot here. But I want to tell you this, that sin cannot be passed over forever. It cannot be ignored for all time. It must be paid for. And the payment for sin that sheep and goats could not do, but were pointing towards the only one who could pay would be Jesus and his shed blood on the cross. But I want to talk about a few words here, the word justified. Now, I know there's a lot of great definitions out there, but here's the simplest one. It's, it's a legal term. It just means that you're declared righteous just means you're declared righteous. It is not a, re- a receipt of payment. You're not getting your dues. You're not getting what, what you deserve, okay? Uh, it's not like you've worked for God and he's paying you back. That is not it. That is not the gospel. Being justified is being declared righteous, and it is a gift that God gives to be received by faith, all right? We don't justify ourselves. We are justified by someone, and that someone is Jesus. Romans 5, 9 says, we have now been justified by his blood. So his blood is shed and then we are declared righteous through faith by his blood. Had to be shed. It's it's righteous blood. There's no other righteous blood. It's Jesus's righteous blood now, now declares us righteous like Jesus. The word propitiation here, do you like that one? If you have an NIV or another translation, uh, it might say the word atonement, but basically this is any way that God is angry at our uh, idolatry or adultery because what sin actually is, is it's adultery on God, all right? No, it's okay to be angry at that, right? But uh, any, any punishment that we deserved, um, any legal demands, any debts that we have incurred, they're all satisfied by the blood of Jesus. They're all satisfied. So listen to this, guys, listen. Let, let's, get, let's, let's walk in some good theology. How about it? For Christians, it's no longer okay to say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Or I love the, I love the, uh, the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards. Love the guy, you know, 
He was a boring preacher, but God used him, like awakened lots of hearts. But he's most famous for a, a sermon that he preached called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Listen, like who am I to disagree with one of the greats? But that is, that, here's, here's what I see by the gospel doesn't keep us sinners, it makes us sons, does it not? Uh, the, God, the gospel doesn't keep us sinners, it makes us daughters in the kingdom, does it not? So we're no longer sinners in the hands of an angry God. We're sons and daughters, we're family with God. Jesus is our treasure and our brother we're paid for, we're redeemed, we're reconciled, and God is our father, he's our dad. And the spirit inside of us that he puts in our hearts actually cries out, hey dad, let's play for the rest of our lives. This is the new identity that we get. And so there's powerlessness in the church when you get a new identity, but then are forced to operate in your old one. When you're no longer a slave, you've been made a son, but you spend the rest of your life living like a slave and spiritualizing it. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood. That means we've been bought back. This is what salvation is. Salvation is not first and foremost that you get to go to heaven. Salvation is first and foremost that you are reconciled or redeemed back to God. God is your salvation, not heaven. And many of us, we use Jesus to try to get to heaven, but he is the goal. And if he's just a tool in your life, today you can receive him as your treasure and actually be saved. Ephesians chapter two, verse 13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ, friends, you're not watching this thing through the window. You're, you're watching from your dad's lap. You're no longer far off. Revelation chapter one, verse five says, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now, this is, this is the beauty of the cross to him who loves us as evidenced in the cross. But what actually happened in the cross is not just that God demonstrated his love, but he demonstrated his love and the fact that he paid for our sins and made us free in Christ. So freedom in Christ doesn't necessarily just hinge on the, hinge on the love of God, but also, also it hinges on the freedom that we have in the blood of Jesus, paying for everything that would keep us from him. Colossians chapter one speaks to our identity. And it says that I'm no longer a slave, I'm a son. I'm not outside looking in, I'm inside being sent out. I'm not striving to be qualified. I have been qualified by my father at the cross and I do have an inheritance. This is what the blood does and then, a, then an infinite amount of things more. Guys, I, the, one of the beautiful things that, that Jesus has done is actually at the last Passover on earth that Jesus celebrated, which is the Passover with his disciples, the night that he was betrayed by a friend, as he actually led his disciples in the Passover meal. Did you know that? The Passover meal that, that generations before was actually pointing, pointing, pointing. Now he is the fulfillment of, and he's celebrating the Passover. And he's like, guys, in moments, the fulfillment of what we're eating right now is gonna be evidenced in me, all right? I was, uh, I was on vacation this past summer and I was under like a heavy weight. Do you know that leading a church through, through COVID and all kinds of stuff, do you know that's a heavy weight? 
And I was glad for a vacation. We were down in Florida. I didn't really know where we were. I didn't really understand that we, we were, actually we weren't even paying for the house that we were at. It was a friend that basically said, hey, it's our anniversary. If you, if you watch our daughters, you can have the place. And so we're like, we'll watch your daughters. And uh, just one day I just got up and I said, Jesus, I just need to go on a walk with you. And I, I don't know where I'm going, but I just took my phone so I could take pictures of the beauty around me. And I just walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. If I felt like turning left, I'd turn left. If I thought I'd, if I thought I'd like climbing over that fence, I'd climb, all right? I just, I just walked. I didn't care where I was going. I just really needed to hear from God. Anybody ever been like that? It's not, it's not the destination. It's, it's that who you hope is gonna walk with you on the journey, right? And so I was just walking and I came across, I'm walking on basically on a sidewalk on a, on a street, but I came to a place where this little opening like in the jungle, do you know that Florida has jungle? It's like, it's not woods, it's like leafy stuff. There's like, it's, it's like I could picture a boa constrictor like coming out of a tree and you know, I didn't know what was in there, but it, I, I remember the path was made of, of you like that? that? I remember the path was made of these white crushed seashells and something in me just said, I'm going in there. And I just, I just walked in and it was, there's mosquitoes and there's all kinds of stuff like squirming me and scouring me and doing all this weird stuff to me. And I was like, I was like, why did I come in here? Like, I don't, what am I even doing? And I started feeling like, Nathan, you're such a freak. Like, this is why you're having problems. You, you have no clue where you're even going. You're just like following your heart or something. And I, as I was about to turn back, I, I looked up the, uh, up the road, the path, and I said, if, if I don't see anything by the time the path turns, I'm just, I'm gonna head back. I don't know what I'm doing. And I walked, the path began to turn, and here's what happened is it opened up to a massive clearing right by the water. In the midst of the clearing was a massive, massive white cross. And I, sh I should have had the foresight to actually put it on the screen so you know I'm not lying. All right, I was, as soon as I saw the cross, I began to weep. I was wondering, God, are you hearing me? Are you here with me? Are you, are you? I, I'm asking him all these questions. Like, Where are you? Where are you? And he led me, not by my plan and not my, by my scheming. I didn't hear about this from anybody. I have no reason to, to even know how I got here, except Jesus decided to lead me by the hand to a clearing by the ocean where there is a white cross. And I got to sit under the cross for a long time. And literally, it was, it was heavenly. I watched dolphins play right in front of me and I even began to call out to them. I, I, felt like, I felt like God was, you know, they're speaking in tongues and God gives you other languages and stuff, like angels and all this stuff. I felt like for a moment, like I had a dolphin tongue. I was like, I was like, wow, is this is, this is, I, I feel like I'm literally, I'm so involved in God's created world. I, I feel like I can just talk right now to see life. That is how intense, this is how heavenly this was. Ever happened to you, Caleb? I, I probably did. Um, the, uh, but I'm talking and, and, and then, and I, what, what, it, what God is just, what God is just speaking into me is, is God is just saying, Nathan, I'm just like, no matter what happens in, in your life, I'm just leading you back to the cross. This is where it all starts. This is where you get your joy. This is where you get your identity. This is where you get your peace. You don't do it from good decisions. You don't do it from good leadership. You don't do it from being a good dad. You don't be it from good at being a good husband. You, you don't earn it, you get it. I'm leading you back to the cross. And I just believe that, that, that some here this morning need to listen. Some of you here this morning, you need to come back to the cross. Somehow you have journeyed far from the cross. You, there's, we're singing, like, taco lettuce to sing, like, God, just, 
just like give us your affections, but you haven't had an affection for God in forever. In fact, you're, you're grasping for the kind of theology that says you don't, have to, you don't have to feel anything for God. Some of you, like it's, you, you talk like you're writing on 10 years ago, but it's been forever since you actually just encountered the love of Jesus. It's been forever since you let your heart break at the cross. I think God's calling us back to the cross this morning. Uh, others here, you don't know how you got here. This is the great thing. This is like, listen, if you don't know how you got here, the pastor of this church has no clue how he got here either, all right? I have sometimes, I just wander and God shows up. And that is actually more spiritual than people that plan their ways, in my opinion, all right? All right? Just be, I, listen, you showed up here this morning. I have no clue. I was invited, I was whatever, but you showed up here this morning. I just want to tell you how that happened. It's not coincidence. It's not even random. It's Jesus. Jesus. You showed up here because Jesus wants you. You showed up here because the cry of your heart that ha has been, there's something in this life. There's something in this life. I know I need to get it. And you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. Or if you're a visionary, you can see that if I try this and I try this, and, I, and if, I, if I speed my life 50 years down the road, Will all the things that the world tells me that I should have and I think that I want, will they satisfy my heart? And let me just tell you right now from the outset, they won't. And Jesus has led you here this morning so he can actually give you a life that's not a waste. So you can actually waste your life on him. The world will say, what a waste. You could have been this, you could have been that, you could have been rich, you could have been famous. And you, you can say, no, 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 on what's the date today? Like November something? First... Sunday in November 2021, I decided to waste my life on Jesus. He brought me to a place randomly and I decided to give him my whole life. I decided to get up and actually operate in faith and paint the blood of Jesus as my hope on the door of my heart. And I gave him everything I have, gave him it all. Now Jesus gave us something that is supposed to be very central to the church and that is communion. It's, it's really the Passover feast where we, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he handed it out to his disciples and he says, this is my body, guys. This is, this is it's not a mystery here. This is my body. It's broken for you. Do this from here on out whenever you drink it and whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so, and when you came in here, you got some cups and uh, it's, it's the weird kind, it's the peely kind where you, 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 you pull this thing back on top and there's like a little wafer thing there. I'm not sure if it's made of plastic or what, all right? I'm actually very concerned about eating it myself, but we're just gonna do this together. But here's, and, and then, you, so you get to the wafer. That, that's symbolizing the body of Jesus. And then you get to the, whatever that other stuff is. And that is symbolizing the blood of Jesus. But what I want us to do this morning, instead of, I really felt this as I was praying for you all this morning, is I was, I was just sensing that instead of kind of ritualistically, you know, us all eating of the, the body together and us all drinking of the blood, blood together, I want to give you a moment. Maybe your spouse is next to you, maybe it's your kids, maybe somebody around you, but just I want, to, want you to take a moment to be very serious about this, because this act in and of itself is going to do absolutely nothing for you. 
is remembering what Jesus has done. Just like, let the whole, invite the Holy Spirit just to come and search your heart. Maybe you're here and you actually need prayer. You wanna to come to Jesus. I, I feel like this is a day you just put your hand up and our prayer team or somebody around, they're gonna be looking for your hand and they're, they're gonna to come to you. Maybe some of you in an act of, of faith, you need to actually step out of your seat and you just need to lay on the ground up here with, with, your, with your cup and you actually need to take communion right up here. Whatever you need to do, I just wanna give you a moment. Don't rush out yet. I know they probably put the, go pick your kids up on the thing. Listen, I'll take the heat from this. Do not pick them up. Spend some time with Jesus for a moment. Steve is gonna slaughter me for that one, all right? But listen, listen, spend a few moments with Jesus. Spend a few moments with Jesus. Get to know that, let, let his broken body and, and his blood poured out, let it, let it stir affections in your heart for him again. Let him bathe you in his love. So Heavenly Father, we just give you this, this moment, just a few moments here, God, we just give you a few moments. In these moments, would you meet us again in a fresh new way? Would you minister the best news in the world to us that we don't have to save ourselves, we can be saved through faith in Jesus. I pray that God right now, that, that people who are, are orphans actually right now would actually through faith become sons and daughters in Jesus and they would sacrifice everything. They'd, they'd toss it all out for Jesus, the greater treasure this morning. So I pray that people would be saved this morning. I pray that people would be healed this morning. I pray that people would be delivered this morning. I pray that you would touch people. I pray that you would surprise us by how powerfully you move, God. It all comes back to your blood. It's your blood, it's your blood. It's your blood, it never fails us, it never fails. There's always enough of you. So we could just give you these moments, God, just to sit with you, just to be with you, and just to hang out with you for a moment. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 